This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not an offer or solicitation of any offer to buy or sell securities. SNN Network and Modestway Don are not licensed brokers, broker-dealers, market makers, investment bankers, investment advisors, analysts, or underwriters. We do not recommend any companies discussed. We may buy and sell securities in any company mentioned and may profit in the event those securities rise in value. We recommend you consult with a professional investment advisor, broker, or legal counsel before purchasing or selling any securities referenced in this podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to Avoiding the Crowd podcast with your host, Maj Swaydan. I'm your producer, Robert Kraft, from the SNN Podcast Network. Maj, what's going on, man? How you doing? I'm great, man. I'm just a little tired, so I had to just interview the company. for our, We did a live webcast um, of a company, actually a Canadian company. We're trying to look more at Canadian companies for our members, so that was fun. So an hour and a half interview. Yeah, no, we were, you had to decompress a little bit before we recorded today. So I, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, what, what, is, what is it? I wouldn't have been upset. <laughs> <laughs> what, what is it? What is a decompression consistent? Is it just splashing water on your face? Or are you just like, just staring at a wall for like 10 minutes? And then yeah, I just pop in my bed until you, maybe he's not going to call me back. Maybe he's just, maybe he threw his back out like you did. <laughs> I did. I my. I think it's my chair, dude. I don't know what the hell is going on, but uh, oh, so you're you're waiting for the text. That's what it was. You're like, oh, don't text. Me. <laughs> yeah. don't text me. I was getting. I was getting ready. <laughs> but, um, yeah, man. No, it was. It was. A, it was a good day. Uh, really, I was pretty busy. Actually, actually, I, um, we interviewed them. Uh, symbol is acquisitive. Q Q U I S F is a symbol. I think on that. Right, and then so, I think it's Q Q U I S on the venture. Yeah. Yeah, and Q yeah. Q U I S F on the OTC. Um, they're a, a, uh, integrator, um, a Microsoft integrator. It was a pretty interesting story. So, you know, we wanted to, uh, kind of, uh, I interviewed the uh, CEO maybe about two years, three years ago. I wanted to see how they were, have been doing since then. And of course I didn't buy it and it's gone up like four times. So I didn't, <laughs> but, uh, do, anyway, do, you own any, do you own any now? No, I don't, okay. but I'm definitely uh, taking a look at it. Gotcha. Well, I, I think this is an interesting segue in, 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 into the, the mindset and the strategy of you, you know, uh, how, you, you know, you, I mean, sometimes you work fast, sometimes you take a while to, to look at some names, but, you know, what we thought would be a fun idea today is that Maj actually did a keynote presentation at our, one of our, our conferences, Planet Microcap Showcase in April, 2019. And uh, the, the theme of that panel was called, what do I own? And we figured we'd do a, a follow-up on that, you know, because he talked about four stocks that he owns or at the time he owned. Uh, we're going to get an update now to see if he still owns it. Um, and the four stocks were, uh, well, at the time it was Repromed, but they've changed the name and symbol and it's now KRMD, uh, Altagen at ATGN, uh, RWWI and DHX. Uh, just to give, uh, I'm going to show off for Maj a little bit, you know, on three out of four of these names. Um, since he talked about it, he, he did the presentation April 30th, 2019. Um, as of today of our recording, which today is April, September 21st, 2020, uh, KRMD is up 338%. ATGN is up 98%. RWWI is up 132%. 
DHX, you know, it's down 20%, but, you know, three out of the four, <laughs> say, say did pretty well in about a year and a half. So, you know, we want to do an update and uh, full disclosure, any of the stocks that uh, I just mentioned that neither I nor SNN Network do own shares in. So I'm giving you an update there. And uh, so, Maj, let's go through it. You know, um, what was it at the time that interested you in wanting to own these stocks? And then, you know, yeah, I've said update like five times in the last like minute. So I'm going to say it again, update on, you know, whether you still currently have positions in these stocks and why. Yeah. So uh, of those three, I, I had sold DHX um, since then. And uh, yeah, I thought it was just an interesting topic because, you know, Connor Haley just actually uh, published a really cool report on, um, you know, I guess some of the best multi-baggers or I guess the multi-baggers over the last five years and tried to, I think it was 700 page report that him and his interns did. Uh, and, uh, you know, I found that very interesting. And I think it's, you know, it was a really great idea because, you know, he, he kind of looked at them all and trying to find out, you know, where some of the multi-baggers were from, you know, that, you know, ge you know ge geographies, you know, it's interesting to see a lot of multi-baggers or even more, I think we're outside of the U S. Um, and then, you know, he goes on to talk about some of the catalysts that propelled these stocks to multi-bagger status and, if uh, they can continue um, based on what you saw there potentially. So I thought, you know, it would be interesting to kind of plan that topic a little bit. And as I'm looking through Juno Vesting's holdings, I'm, I'm trying to see if I can do that a little bit myself. And, you know, so I, you know, I thought it'd be cool to look at these four stocks and say, okay, what were the traits that I kind of maybe um, thought that would lead to, you know, higher returns and maybe, you know, multi-baggers over time. And, um, so we can just do that for a little bit, and then um, so it should be a relatively short one for us. Okay, I like to I like to focus on the one or two things. Yeah, you know, like I think during your presentation I called a big hairy ass fact. Um, I'm not very no, I, I was it no no is it something like that? Was that what it was? It was the hairy audacious fact. Yeah, hairy audacious something like that. Yeah, that guess from the that's from the good the great book or something like that where he's. Um, yeah, with, I guess they call, it, they call it the big hairy ass goal in the Good to Great book. So I was like, you know, what's that one or can I find one thing really? I mean, at first I was like, can I find maybe five things that I like the company, you know, really like the company? But I tried to narrow it down to what's the one thing I liked about it that could really get me excited about um, that. So, so we'll talk about that a little bit. So if we talk, you know, if, and the cool thing about the first one is uh, RWWI, which I think was the first stock I pitched it during that session. And it's, it's a great case study on why nano caps or why micro caps, because there's a lot of negative stereotypes there, you know, that they're all shitty companies, fraudulent companies, you know, pump and dumps, and they're really not. There's this, you know, level of tier one companies out there that are really hot and um, worth, you know, taking a look at. And RWWI is a great uh, kind of case of point for that, actually. So if you look at that company, um, you know, back in 2003, the company had, uh, I think it was 22 million in revenue. This company is a software company, a reseller basically um, of architectural engineering software uh, where Autodesk is, I think um, they're, the, they're the biggest reseller, one of the top resellers for Autodesk. And so, you know, the company, you know, 22 million revenue in 2003 uh, when I presented, uh, at, at the club, at your, um, at your conference, 
they were running at a hundred million dollar revenue run rate. Um, and actually now they're, um, I think uh, maybe a $400 million run rate or close to getting close to that. So it tells you that, you know, the Meyer capital company does not always, you know, you know, define the size of a company in terms of its revenue and stuff like that. So, so this is a very high quality, high quality company. They've been around for a long time and it's just a great, I loved it because it was a great kind of debunking of the whole Meyer caps are all, all a bunch of frauds and, you know, shitty companies. And that's part of the reason I invested in it too. But you know, the stock has gone from, I mean, if you look at the chart, you know, you, the stock was, um, as I'm looking back here, I think maybe 30, 40 cents, maybe back in, I want to say 2010-ish maybe. Uh, and then, you know, it's, it's right now it's as high as I think it's right now, it's about 14 bucks in a straight line up. Uh, and you know, you had a really great management team in this company that had a lot of deep experience in the software business and, and, and just uh, making acquisitions that were creative. But the one thing I really liked about the company was that, that I got excited about this thing was the margin profile where, where it was going. So there was a lot of um, consolidation in the space, a lot of competition in the space. So these retailers were all competing. Um, and there was a dynamic going on where it was getting cut through. And there was this time where RWI, a lot of companies out there acquiring companies to try and gain scale. And during that time, there was, you know, some erosion in the margins and, um, or at least, especially on the, maybe a little bit on the gross margin, but there were a lot more spending on the operating side too, to, uh, to, to compete uh, and uh, gain market share. But I, I kind of surmised that through looking at some of the trends that they had reached a point where their operating expenses were going to flatten out a little bit. And they got into a certain scale where, as revenues increased, that um, they're going to see a really big increase in that income. This disproportionate increases in the income compared to revenue increases. So I love those kind of stories where you have this operating leverage where if revenues increase 20%, maybe that income is going to go up 100 or 200%. And from my experience, you know, a lot of multi-baggers are born from, if you can find that, find that inflection point, you can kind of really ride a nice wave. And, um, that's kind of where you know, they were out there and you saw after several, you know, maybe quarters, a few years of having good revenue growth, but net income really not getting a lot of, you know, um, momentum, even though they're making money, they finally started seeing a huge increase in their earnings per share growth relative to revenue growth and consistent. So that, that was pretty interesting. So that was the one, you know, really defining kind of stat I liked on this company. Um, that was kind of surrounding all of its quality there. So that's, that was why uh, the one trade, I look at that trade all the time and I'm looking for multi-baggers. Can I, what's that margin profile look like? What inning um, is a company in, in terms of its margin expansion cycle? Not only gross margins, but in terms of um, getting some operating leverage by having their, um, like, you know, uh, operating expenses a little flat as revenues move up. So that's what we got there in that one. Um, I'm not going to, you know, KRMD, I talked about a lot, ultimate was REPR. And at that point, it was just, that was a classic moat with those guys. I mean, they, they, they just had a, um, KRMD as a home health care company, home infusion, home infusion therapy uh, kind of product um, that they've been selling for years. And they got out of lift years ago, I think maybe 2007, eight when I first bought the stock, I just got lucky when I bought it then that um, the um, 
help the Medicare coverage kind of improved in their favor for what they were doing. So that was a little bit of an inflection point and that was just getting stronger and stronger. But they just had an incredible moat. And it, it, this, this, theirs was simple. There wasn't really a lot of um, you know, competition there for them. And they had a first-class product, which is really, really important to me in this case. Um, and it, especially the medical device. If you can find these first-class products in the medical device industry um, that have that having a limited competition, you can see a lot of multi-baggers, you know, arise from that. And that's what kind of happened there. And if you look at the history of the company, even though when it was selling at 10 or 15 cents when I first went, uh, bought it um, several years ago, and you can see that the revenue, the company was this recurring revenue machine. They're going revenue quarter after quarter on a sequential basis, year over year basis. And that's kind of one big thing that I liked about this company. They just proved they could do it for years. You know, it's 13 years now. And that's kind of um, a result of their, the kind of moat type of dominance they had in their market. And then we move over to uh, Alphagen, ATGN, um, which is a company I own since 2000, maybe 14 or early 15, um, is a unified communications and service provider, UCAS, helping companies um, take their communication uh, platform and systems to the cloud. And what I, this Altogen has a very um, common multi-bagger trade that I love. And I, and I talk all about time is the wallet share. You know, can't, um, so basically Altogen was taking its legacy customers through a new manager, new CEO came in and said, look, we're serving our customers through these on-premise platforms. We're selling a lot of hardware uh, communications solutions and um, we're selling these software solutions that are on-premise, not in the cloud. And then you see, I said, you know, hey, oh, Jerry, um, Jeremiah Fleming, um, we need to de-emphasize our hardware, maybe even get out of the hardware business and start really pushing the cloud. So they had this really rich um, customer base uh, where they could say, all right, we're, we're gonna just going to convert you to the cloud. And it really played off. So they had this wonderful legacy customer base they could play off of and just sell this new, wonderful, new, better product to them. And um, I see when, when, you, when, I, when I see companies that can get a lot of growth through their own customer base, I can call that wallet share, increasing wallet share. I love that. And further with that, they have some good partnerships with Microsoft and Fiserv, which are helping them um, you know, sell their products. And those kind of partner relationships for a small company in a very competitive market are very important, which enables them to have you know, really high, you know, high, high gross margins. So that was really the one thing I liked about it, this kind of relationships that were able them to spend less money on marketing and go attack a market they already had to some degree, but in a different way. And they're, you know, and they're still probably in the middle of that inning of converting legacy customers to the cloud. And then and they're, can you do that? And now with COVID-19, um, that's being accelerated already in an industry that was growing quickly, uh, where you only had 70% of uh, small business enterprises adopting these on-premise um, UCAS solutions. I mean, off, um, I'm sorry, cloud, cloud-based cloud UCAS solutions. So there was already a lot of a good runway for growth and we're just starting to pick up and COVID-19 kind of accelerated that trend. So uh, that's uh, one interesting thing. So there you go, the, the, the legacy customers wallet share the key thing there. And then with DHX, um, 
which didn't work out for me so hot, um, was a company uh, or is a company uh, that um, it's like a software platform, a recruiting a recruiting software platform um, to, um, to just help companies find you know people um, to work for them. And what attracted me there was um, a new CEO came into place there, and what I thought was going to be the multi-bagger kind of impetus was the company was profitable. They already had a profitable business, decent, um, uh, not, but they weren't really growing profitability because they weren't growing revenue. And so I figured, okay, this company can find a way to grow revenue. Uh, this, uh, you know, really profitable will come along. And I, what attracted me there and in, in, in that kind of sphere was um, they had a suite of software products. And over time, the company, um, the prior management had got out of focus in terms of the product solutions they were offering too many platforms. Uh, lost some focus and then you see I want to kind of bring it more into focus and he really wanted to basically take a two or three platforms he had there already um, and keep them get rid of the old get rid of what wasn't working some divesting assets so that's really a big part of like a, some multi baggers is getting rid of the getting rid of the shit not performing assets and focusing on the best parts of your business when you already have some dominance which they did but the platform, and they were basically going to try and take these remaining platforms and kind of emulate their most successful platform and, and, and um, find success there. And um, it's only like, it's only, it hasn't been that long. So I haven't, haven't given it much time, but I just didn't feel that the um, pace of progression, positive pace of progression that I expected was, was happening. I didn't see management hitting on some of their goals. So I kind of took a step back and then you had, um, you know, COVID happened and it's not, a, it's not an industry I want to really be in right now in terms of recruiting and stuff. So, um, but I might come back to it again. So, so there were, you know, kind of, so the themes again, to summarize were, you know, one, one multi-bagger contract was this really great improving margin profile hitting an inflection point. Uh, that was RWWI, um, KRMD, basically the, the usual moat first class product that's hard to penetrate by its competitors. Uh, with a great recurring revenue type of uh, model. Uh, number three was Altogen, where you had this wonderful legacy customer base that you could sell a new, higher margin, higher growth product into, um, and not, not so much have to worry about new customers necessarily to get some of your growth, which they are doing, by the way. And then DHX was hopefully a, a legacy company with a great, uh, with, with a, um, a customer base already intact where they could, um, 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 take a uh, working product already that was really, uh, really successful and kind of build the whole platform, software platform around that. So, you know, finding, um, you know, the, you know a, a hidden gem in the, I guess, in, in, in the, in the, in the, uh, in the company and trying and conform the rest of the platform uh, to that. So that's that, Bobby. So that was a quick kind of assessment of, how that, pro- that thought process was there. Yeah. No, I well, do that with a lot of stocks I'm buying. I try to find, and I didn't always do that. I mean, it wasn't, I, I would, we do this one thing at GEO, we call it reasons for, for tracking. It's a really quick way of getting research to our members. We have different ways of getting members or research to our members. Sometimes they're longer articles. We have emails every day. We're going out uh, weekly emails. We have this one product we call reasons for tracking, which is a, like a shorter version kind of, Hey, here's a quick reason why I like a company kind of peer lynch style you know, to get things out quickly. And they generally be between five and 10 reasons sometimes I would make them. But now I think, you know what, 
let me take it back. Let me think about one reason. Really makes you think really hard. At a, at a company, really trying to lay it all out and finding what is that one that one thing that this company is just is is born to succeed. And I do that with every company now that I want to hold in my core portfolio for the long term. Is I'm going to try and figure that out. You know, of course, you're going to find other good reasons around it, hopefully too. But it just makes you really critically think about it. Yeah. No. While while you were doing that, I was looking at at um at uh, so, some of the you know what they're trading for currently, and and you know I went through all the stats and stuff. But what's interesting to me, and this is one of the things I really love about our community in the small micro nano cap space, is that you know a good amount of investors they don't care about liquidity. Yeah. You know, I mean, eventually, of course, they want to be able to you know get in and out of these names at some point. But at the end of the day, you know, you're looking at just the business, you know, and you, you'll figure out the rest later. You know, like I like at RWWI, I mean, it has an average, I think it trades like 5,800 shares. I think I was just looking at it today. You know, like, I mean, what, what about, what about illiquidity? Uh, what about illiquidity doesn't scare you? No, and, and there's, and there were times when I was first buying, there was liquidity. Um, Especially a lot of times before these stocks take off, you might find some like, or they're starting to take off, and they some of these dead stocks for a while. There'll be liquidity because you have some legacy investors that want to sell the stock. Right. So that, you know, you'll run into that a lot of times. But I don't really care about, I mean, I, the more liquid, the more liquid for me, the better. I mean, it's just, there's one, there's only one time you need liquidity is when you're wrong. <laughs> so, my, <laughs> Right. <laughs> so my, my, my like, all right, just be right. And most of us aren't managing billions of dollars, right? We can, you know, right. we can buy these illegal companies and put put our money to work in it. Just don't be wrong, you know. And when you're wrong, I don't care if you're a, a nano cap or a big cap. You liquidity can you know, just stocks can become very illiquid. Um, and um, so, for example, um. I remember LinkedIn. That's I always look. I always go back to LinkedIn, and this is before they got uh, acquired uh, a few years ago. And um, the company reported earnings before the market opened. It's a big cap company. Large, you know, tons of liquidity. All well, opened down fifty percent. The first print because they missed they, they missed the guidance or whatever. So there's your fucking liquidity. You know, and I think I think that <laughs> you should use that to your advantage. I mean, you want if you if you're right. You want these stocks to be illiquid because these things can just really um, move forward very quickly. And then liquidity is created for you when the momentum crowd comes in and already finds a stock. And another, another great liquidity kind of answer is, you know, you know, buy these companies, a lot of them get acquired. A lot of times I'm just buying companies and my, my, my liquidity event is going to be just hopefully they get acquired, you know, several years from now. And I don't got to worry about it. <laughs> okay. Nice. Yeah. It's one. It's one way of skinning the cat, right? Yeah, and use use it to your advantage. I mean, illiquid companies can have some volatility, you yep. know, especially when markets are crashing. You got fear in the market. Use that to your advantage and buy these stocks where, um, where, where liquidity is being created. Sometimes when they're falling. Absolutely. And real quick, Maj, do you still have position? You said you sold out of DHX, but do you still have positions in uh, KRMD, ATGN, and uh, RWWI? Yes. Yes. All right. Yeah. Good. All right. Well, I think that was a pretty good episode. Short and sweet. We got to the point. I think we got some good stuff in there. I mean, uh, any final takes uh, going into the rest of the week? I, we got we got the leadership summit coming up on uh, Thursday, Friday, so that should be fun. 
Yeah, I think Altogen is going to be there. Yeah. Um, at, at that thing, and um, as K- is is KRMD? No, I don't think so. I think IEC is going to be there. Yep. Which I'm long. I think I um, profiled that here a few a few present a few podcasts okay. ago. Oh, by the way, you do. You were supposed to tell me if I was talking too fast. You didn't do it again. Oh, I didn't. Oh, I I didn't tell you you were talking too fast this time. Yeah. Well, you know you must. I you I I guess you didn't talk that fast this time. Right. I don't know. We're gonna have to we're gonna have to ask everybody else too. <laughs> so. you, wait, hold on. Is there a feature where you can listen to these things at like minus like like at you know I know you can listen at, at fast forward speed, but I wonder if there's like a slow mo speed. Well, YouTube you can do that actually. You can bring it down. You, sh- you can give me like a, a remote taser if I'm talking too fast and buzz me or something. <laughs> you know? I'm just, you know, at this point, I'm so used to, to talking to you and, and hearing how you speak. I'm just like, oh, this is, uh, you know, and I know, see, you know, when you get really, I know when you get really excited because then it's at like, it's like, it's like 5X. One of our members of Geo was like, hey, we're like, we love the podcast. You know, can you tell Maj to talk a little slower, please? I can hear Bobby fantastic. I can hear Bobby great. Write you a script and you can read it. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> hey, did you watch that the game last just, you know, just make sure you do that. It's, I'm, I'm not offended if you do. So. All right, fine. I, all right. Well, you know, you talk too fast this time. You know, we got re- <laughs> to re-record the whole friggin' thing. But yeah. uh, now you're fine, man. This one was good. You actually, you know what? I, I Honestly, I was really just happy that you didn't pound the desk. I wanted to. Oh, did you? Oh, you would have killed me. You would have killed me if you pounded that. Actually, I think I think your listeners they're gonna be like, you know, I, can you hear Bob? Great, you know, Maj is great info. You speak, you know, you're speaking a little fast, and we keep hearing this. What the hell is that? Is someone knocking at the door literally the entire time? Like, is someone coming for him? This is insane. So, but hey, real quick, I I have to congratulate you on your uh, nice win last week. Freaking Giants suck. Oh, this, oh, that was beautiful. We just we suck. I mean, Saquon's Sa- Sa- done. I know. Now Saquon's done. I mean, we weren't expected to be good this year anyway, but like. Yeah, well, there was some weird there were, there were some weird games. I, I didn't – I had a horrible my pool. Yeah. I was covering most of my games in like the last like, you know, the fourth quarter. Did you have money on that uh, Cowboys-Atlanta uh, game? Because that was, that was ridiculous. I did not, but I definitely who that I, I had Dallas win that game or covering, and I guess they. They did well. What was it? oh? So they well, they won. They cover. They, I'm not good with the lines. I don't know what they mean. I, I never so. know. I I I I you know I, I really I really have no idea. I try to think like I understand it, but I I don't. <laughs> I was off to give, me, bad, give me give me a good give me a good parlay. I'll do parlays all day. I had a good start. I'll pick like, it based on a line. <laughs> I guess last Thursday was the, the first um, game of the, um, the game of the week, and it was what Cincinnati and Cleveland. Yeah, I think Cincinnati was underdog by five and a half. Okay, I took I took Cleveland to win the game. I mean, to, you know, win outright and easily. And of course, I, I I'm at a bar. Now they're up like by like 15, 12, 13 points. I got this. I wake up in the morning. You know, they lost. It was five. It was they three, no, it was five. It was five. It was. It they was didn't like cover. Yeah. Something like that. I don't know what it was, but they, I lost like a half a point or whatever in terms of – you're kidding me. And the Steelers, I lost that bet because they were they had a handily covered Steelers until like the last yeah. quarter or whatever. Yeah, that so, was another five-pointer. What was it, 26-21? Sticking the stocks. 
Yeah, this freaking sports betting, man. Uh, it's a. It, it's rigged. The uh, it's a, just do parlays. Just do pickums. Just get the odds. Get the odds on like three games that you're pretty mm-hmm. confident because you pick the winners. You pick the winners. Just now. I did this. Do yeah, kind of, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I had a, I had a good Super Bowl bet last team. last year. A playoff bet. Oh, okay. Uh, I bet. Uh, I think it was. Tennessee Ravens and Raven and I picked Tennessee. They went out right that game. Oh, that was a mistake. And I oh no, wait, they won. I was still oh, yeah, I had like a, yeah, I won like, like I lost. I just I let it ride the whole time. I lost it. I got cocky. And I bet Houston. I bet uh, I thought Texas would beat um KC. Yeah, that was looking really good for like ten minutes, <laughs> and I lost. What I, I want to know what was your what was your thought process there? Like what in in what right world? Did you think the Texans were going to beat KC last year? I just thought because you had two, you had a Tennessee and Houston. You had Belichick disciples coaching the teams that they'd find a way to do it. The KC one was stupid. Just stupid. I shouldn't have done that. That was just stupid. That was that was a bad bet. But yeah. All right. Well, anyway, should have taken the money and ran. Hey, you know we should put money money down right now on the Giants getting the number one pick. We're we're tanking for Trevor. Let's go. <laughs> Let's get Trevor. I, mean, I mean, Danny Dimes. It was fun. But let, let's just get let, – yeah, it was fine. The trade him, get Trevor Lawrence in there. Let's get let's, – let's do this right. <laughs> that number – when they took – I mean, look, Danny Dimes has shown some nice things, but, like, the fact that they took him that number six pick is still just, like, what? Yeah, that was, little, that, that was a little, uh, little absurd, I thought, yeah. Yeah, whoever took, whoever took the under on, like, where Daniel Jones was going to be drafted in that – <laughs> or what, or like that if, if I don't know what the average bet was on like maybe it was mid tier like fifteen if anybody says if anybody made a bet he's gonna be taken earlier. Well, I hope they put a lot of money on that. But anyways, anyway, we should do more sports talk. I like you know you know I love sports. Yeah, you do. Absolutely. Yeah, you but you don't do you don't do baseball though, right? You don't do you follow Not baseball? Do baseball. No, okay. Just... But you do football and then you do you don't do soccer. Do you do soccer? No. Yeah, football. About a little basketball, but you know, football's my thing. Football. Okay. Good. We'll that's do football. You know what? That's what. That's a new segment. We're gonna do football pickums every week. We should do like a like Bill like Bill Simmons and uh, and Cousin Sal. They do guess the lines. Let's do a guess the lines. Yeah, I have to understand that. first, but then we'll do them. <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> you probably do better not understanding them. <laughs> yeah. Right. All right, dude. Well, uh, this has been fun. Where can everybody go and follow you on uh, social media? Uh, you can follow me at, at Maj Geo Investing on uh, my personal Twitter, uh, at Geo Investing on my, my company's Twitter. You can come to geoinvesting.com um, and uh, take a free trial there um, and email me at Maj at geoinvesting.com. Awesome. What about your phone number? You always give your phone number. Ah, 267 246 3263. The over under on that is. 1.5. I have got one call. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. All right. It's getting out there. It's getting out there. Look, it took it. It took uh, what are we? Episode eight, seven. I don't know. Seven, eight episodes. There we go. We got a call. It's beautiful. We'll find some NFL guys out there. <laughs> oh, yeah.
That's for sure. All right. Well, you can follow me on Twitter at Bobby K Craft, B-O-B-B-Y-K-K-R-A-F-T. You can listen to the audio version of this uh, anywhere that you get podcasts, but the website is avoidingthecrowd.podbean.com. And you can watch the video version of this. Uh, you probably are watch if you're watching this, you know where to go. But uh, if you're listening to the audio version, you can go to youtube.com slash SNN wire to see us in person. Yuck it up. Well, with that, Maj, I will see you in a few of these investor meetings on Friday. <laughs> yeah, see you there, man. All right, dude. I'll talk to you later. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not an offer or solicitation of any offer to buy or sell securities. SNN Network and Maj Don are not licensed brokers, broker-dealers, market makers, investment bankers, investment advisors, analysts, or underwriters. We do not recommend any companies discussed. We may buy and sell securities in any company mentioned and may profit in the event those securities rise in value. We recommend you consult with a professional investment advisor, broker, or legal counsel before purchasing or selling any securities referenced in this podcast.